Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. It's our hope that this message will help you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now we come to the part of the night where we talk about sex and romance. And, uh, you know, I've titled this message, Purity in a Sexual Smog. If we get the house lights up, there we go. I want to see these beautiful faces in here. You guys are awesome. Thank you so much for coming out tonight. You know, as we've mentioned that, you know, just like our bodies need oxygen, just like we have to breathe to survive, our souls need sexual purity as Christians. But the problem is we live in a culture surrounded by this toxic smog of, of impurity. And uh, people aren't into, into the, the purity when they come to their sexuality. And the state of the sexual union in this country is in fact polluted. And I would say that we're seeing in, in our day sex as told by the bunny. The bunny. And I'm talking about the playboy bunny. And if we had to put an emblem on, on the worldview of sexuality, it could be easily identified by the, by the playboy bunny which is that the iconic rabbit image is, uh, is one of the most identifiable symbols in the world, next to the uh, image of Mickey Mouse and the McDonald's arches. But here's the deal. This cute little tame-looking cartoon rabbit has rabies. And this is a far more serious issue than just talking about a men's magazine or a channel on TV. It's bigger than just the actual pictures of, of naked people in the magazines. This pr- represents a, a worldview, a way of looking out at sexuality. And Hugh Hefner, who began this first pornographic magazine in this country, he, he's you know, spreading, and not, he's not the only one, but they're spreading this, this way of looking on sex that rejects God's input rejects morals, rejects any kind of restraint, and basically says about, here's what it says about sex. The bunny says, say yes to sex. Anywhere, anytime, anything you feel like doing, that's what what Greg was talking about. He was flying around the country with all the money in the burn. Anyone he wanted to have sex with, he did, he could, and the bunny says, absolutely. The bunny says, never say no if you you want to. And so we have the, the, the Playboy Mansion. It's like the, 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 the Valhalla or the Nirvana, the heaven of, of sexuality, this place where you can go and, and party with the stars and do whatever you want. And they're spreading this to us on the airwaves and, and movies. This is being sent to us. And it's not just to, to people who, above the age of 18, which is how old you have to be legally to purchase a, a Playboy magazine, but to those far younger. Let me uh, show you a picture on the screens here. I was in a, a, a store recently and... Uh, and I was looking for stuff for my two-year-old daughter who loves Disney princesses. And I see these stationary sets. And this is on a low shelf, low enough for a little kid to see. Here's, of course, Aladdin's girl Jasmine and, and the Tinkerbell. And right next to it, this bright, pretty, playful, little bunny. Now, I wasn't in Vegas. wasn't in L.A. I wasn't in New York City. I was in Kalispell, a small town in Montana. And this is here being sent in a family store to little kids to be getting into this worldview, this culture from a young age. We've all seen girls wearing those Playboy t-shirts, stickers in the car. I was in California yesterday and I was at In-N-Out Burger and uh, was walking into In-N-Out and, and a girl opens the door coming out. I pass her as, as she's coming on going in and she has this Playboy bunny on her shirt. She couldn't have been more than 13 or 14 years old. And I was so sad seeing this. 
Are you really serious? This little girl thinks it's so special and cute. And it's like this, this wonderful thing when it's, it's a magazine that takes young women, someone's daughter, someone who's going to be a mom someday, and, and naked pictures of her so that perverted eyes can lustfully stare at her. And this is something a little girl's going, yeah, this is a, a cool, this is a, a good thing. This is what's, what's be marketed. I, have a, a, no, I know someone in, in my church who worked at a jewelry store and she said that moms would bring their daughters in to get Playboy belly rings, Playboy earrings. It's interesting to me that Hugh Hefner was one of the early financial investors in the institute that was a big proponent of bringing sex education into the public schools in the 1960s. Hugh wanted everybody to know as much about sex as possible as early as possible. And I would say that his investment paid off big time. In the United States alone, pornography generated $13.3 billion in sales last year. That's a big number, but what does that really mean? Let me put it in perspective for you. More money was spent last year on pornography than was spent going and on pro baseball, basketball, pro football, including the Super Bowl combined. So it seems to be that pornography is quickly becoming our new national pastime. Porn sales in America, the revenues exceed the combined sales of ABC, CBS, and NBC television. Worldwide, pornography sale last year was $97 billion, which is larger than the revenues of Microsoft, Google, Amazon, eBay, Yahoo, Apple, and Netflix all put together. On the internet, you don't have to look for pornography. Are you kidding me? You open up your inbox, you're getting 10 spam emails about sex. You don't have to look for it to find it, but people look anyways. Every year, including this last year, sex was the number one Googled word on the web. Out of, the four point, out of all the websites on the internet, 4.2 million of them are pornographic, which is 12% of the entire internet. So one out of 10 sites out there is full of porn. And uh, when people were interviewed, 72% of men and 28% of women say that they have looked at porn on the internet. Now, that's, then there's just, that's the internet. Oh, you can talk about adult DVDs. Uh, adult DVDs brought in $4 billion in sales last year. 11,000 different pornographic films were released, which is, by the way, 20 times more movies than Hollywood put out last year. Now, I mean, you, you get these, these images are staggering. I mean, you, you, these statistics are overwhelming. We're taking in so much, so much. Why? Well, the bunny says, say yes to sex. So we take it in, we take it in, we take it in. What's the result of taking all this sexuality in? Well, 93% of men and 79% of women in America report by the time they got married, they had already had sexual intercourse. 93% of men, 79% of women. And it's not just older on, you know, your college years or later on in high school. We're seeing what's been described as age compression, where kids are growing up faster, where you guys are, are being forced to deal with issues at a much younger age than previous generations. Now, to put this in perspective, uh, I asked my dad, how old were you when you saw your first pornographic magazine? He said he was a freshman in college. And I said, that blows me away because I was in sixth grade. Sixth grade, when my next door neighbor said, hey, let me show you this box of Playboys my dad, I found of my dad's in the, in the garage. I was in sixth grade. He was a freshman in high school. According to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, one out of five teenagers has sex before they turn 15. Half of American teenagers, 50% who are ages 15 to 18, say they are sexually active currently. And intercourse isn't the only kind of sex kids are having. By the age of 18 in America, 80% of males and 59% of females say they've masturbated. 75% say they've engaged in heavy petting. And 55% say they've had oral sex. 
I remember in eighth grade when at my school we knew which girls would, would give oral sex. The United States has the highest rate of teen pregnancy in the developed world. And the abortion rate is, is staggering. In, the March, in March of this year, 2008, the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, announced that in America, one out of four teenage girls has a sexually transmitted disease. That's 25%. In light of these staggering facts, and many of them don't even know about it. You know, we talk about Greg with HIV, you know. There's an article released yesterday that, that the government basically came out and said, we've been reporting these numbers on how many people in America have AIDS. One million, they say. They say 65,000 new people are infected every year, and they just announced that they really have no idea. These have just been a guess, and they really think the answer is, the, the real results are much higher. Now, in, in light of this, it it's, it's blows me away to find out how few parents are willing to talk to their kids about sex and, and how few churches are willing to talk about these sorts of things. The kind of reactions I get, being that I talk in churches about sex, is, ah, you can't really do that. And sometimes when parents and pastors talk about it, it's not for the best anyway. This year's Playboy's Playmate of the Year, her parents were interviewed after she won. Fox News asked them what they thought about their daughter's success, being the, the best naked person photographed of the magazine that year. And her parents said, and I quote, they are so proud of their little girl, and they couldn't be any happier. This is a worldview. This is a worldview. And the steady stream of lies that the world produces is things like, it's a normal appetite, you should give into it. There's no consequences, enjoy it while you're young, it won't affect you later in your marriage. It's old-fashioned to say you're waiting till you're married to have sex, it's unrealistic, no one does that. Highest paid supermodel in the world, Giselle, said, I don't know anybody who's a virgin when they get married. Well, my wife was. That's exciting. Yeah. And sadly, even among those who claim to be Christian, who claim to be saving themselves for marriage, there still lies believed that the bunny spreads like, it's okay as long as you don't go all the way. You can get as close to the line as possible and and just don't have actual intercourse. Or looking is fine, there's nothing wrong with pornography because it'll help you keep pure. You couple that with the fact that that the church makes people feel at times as though, you know, to have a problem and be a Christian and struggle is like makes you a bad Christian. And so people are unwilling to talk about it and admit they have difficulties. And so people are living with a secret struggle they're ashamed to talk about. That's what the bunny wants you to think. Now let's talk about our second point, the Bible. What the Bible has to say about sexuality. And this is a lot more fun to talk about. And you might be surprised that much like the bunny, the Bible too says yes to sex but in the right way. Now, it's important. That's right. It's exciting. You know, you need to understand something. That, that God is for sex. The only thing that God has to say on the issue isn't, thou shalt not. He also says, thou shalt. You know, in the right area. Thou shalt do this, you know. God's been kind of represented as being this guy who's against sex. You know, like it's a dirty thing, don't talk about it. But you couldn't be more wrong. God is so into sex, he actually thought of the idea. He was the one who invented it in the first place. And when he invented it, he called it good. He gave it for people to enjoy. But he gave it with regulations. He told us how to use it. And you could say the same about anything God's given us. You know, fire was invented by God. He gave it to man to use. There's many good things that you can do with fire. It can light a a home. It can cook a meal. Using the internal combustion of a car, it can propel a vehicle. It can light up dark places. But fire used improperly can burn down a home and destroy lives. 
I would say the same about sex, you know. Used properly, it can do a lot of good. It's supposed to feel very good. It can and should heat up a home in a marriage. But used improperly, yeah, there you are, improperly, (laughs) improperly, sex can and is destroying and burning down many lives. Just because God tells us how to use something doesn't mean he's opposed to it, right? Now think about it this way. When a car manufacturer makes a car, they, they give that car with an with a instruction manual in the glove box. And it tells you how to use it. And among other things, I looked in mine, there's instructions on wearing your seatbelt, ob- ob- obeying traffic rules. Uh, there's, there's rules like, you know, it says don't drive impaired under the influence of alcohol. And that car that can do a lot of things just because we're told by the government and the manufacturer and your parents how to use the car doesn't mean they're opposed to it. The car can get you to soccer practice. The car can get you to school. The car can get you to the movie on Friday night. But listen, if you disobey the rules, you combine it with alcohol and drive unbuckled, that car can destroy your life and other people's lives as well. Now, to clear up what is cloudy about the truth and about God's word and sex, we need to go back all the way to the beginning. It's kind of like that game Telephone. You remember in middle school or, you know, elementary school, you'd sit in a circle on the floor. This is more like kindergarten. And, uh, and somebody says something into someone's ear and it goes around the circle and it comes back different than it came. Like it started out, I like to take walks on the beach. And it comes back, my cousin is choking on a peach. You know, it's sort of like <laughs> that's different than it started. Well, that's how it is with God and sex. And we have to go all the way back to the beginning to the book of Genesis to clear it up. In the book of Genesis... God created everything, man, people, buffalo, sharks, waterfalls, everything. And, and he, he saw man and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. So he created a wife. And so marriage was given to two sexual creatures. So sexuality is a part of who we are from, from creation. So it's not wrong to want to have sex. And, and I'm sure many of you do. But here's the thing. It's, it, it's wrong to fulfill that in the wrong way. And, uh, you know, it's like an appetite. It's not wrong to be hungry, but it's wrong to steal to eat. It's not wrong to want to breathe, but it's wrong to, you know, breathe toxic air. It's wrong for you. It's bad for you. So there's a regulation fulfilling a right desire. So here's Adam and Eve, two sexual creatures. God gives marriage. Adam likes the idea. He sees Eve, his wife, and we know he likes it because he says this statement, bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman. Let me translate it for you. Dude. That's what he's saying when he sees his wife. Now, God wasn't like, Adam, how dare you think about that? I mean, he brought Adam a naked wife. I think he had an idea what Adam was going to want to do at that point, you know? And they weren't ashamed of it. And God wants sex to be embraced as an awesome thing in an awesome way. And here's the formula. Remember this. Here's the deal with sex. God wants it to be for two people, man and woman, married together, committed for a lifetime. And that's God's plan for sex. It was his intention for sex in the beginning. It's his intention for sex now. Here's the problem. Genesis 3, trouble in paradise, right? Serpent shows up who's actually the devil. The devil says, hey, Adam and Eve, I know God told you to do this, but here's the thing. I know better than he does, and here's some, you know, little sneaky, sneaky tips, and you should disobey God. What happens? Sin enters mankind. Mankind falls into sin. Here's what happens. Sin gets added to sex, and we start to see sexual sins, which we could define as lust. And now while sex had before been only for two people committed in marriage, man and woman enjoying each other committed, now Genesis 3 onward, you start to see these sexual sins show up like fornication, sex when you're not married, adultery, sex when you're married with someone who's not your wife, homosexuality shows up, sex with someone of the same gender, bestiality in the world shows up, sex with animals, incest shows up, sex, hold on, sex with someone in your family, rape shows up. 
Rape shows up. Sex with somebody against their will. These are all sexual passions that have sin added to them, and that equals lust. So if you want to understand something, when it comes to your sexuality, sex isn't the problem. Sexual desire isn't the problem, but lust is. Or as Joshua Harris wrote in his book on purity, lust has hijacked sexuality. Like those terrorists who hijacked the planes and and they were intended to take off from one airport, land in another and bring people safely. But instead, those terrorists on September 11th hijacked them and their purpose was to crash the plane into the building. The enemy has taken sexuality, which is a good thing, to bring about a, a purpose, pleasure, procreation, all these wonderful things, and it's hijacked it to bring it on a mission of destruction. Well, Jesus took it a step further in the New Testament. He said, lust wasn't just what you could do physically, having these different physical sins, but it was possible to lust on the inside by looking at a woman or a man and wanting to have sex in your heart and desiring, imagining what it would be like. And I would go to looking at pornography. The New Testament describes that as sexual immorality. And the Greek word is porneia, porneia. And we get the English word pornography or pornographic from that word. And when you hear the word uh, immorality, it's not just physical sins. It's physical sins added to any sin that you do on the inside. So it includes all thoughts, words, gestures, actions, activities that are apart from God's original plan for sexuality. So what is God's standard? Age old question. How far is too far? And the question, how, you know, how far can I go sexually and still be a, a Christian? What does God want from me with purity? Let me give it to you. Ephesians 5.3. This is a verse that's on the O2 shirts we're going to be selling, on the commitment cards that we'll be asking you to sign if you make a commitment to purity tonight. God's standard for purity, Ephesians 5.3. Paul speaking to the church, he said, but among you, There must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or greed because these are not proper for God's holy people. So the answer is not even a hint of porneia, not even a hint of immorality. God wants you to be completely and totally pure. And that's pretty opposite of how a lot of even Christians describe it. Just make sure you're a technical virgin when you got married. God says, no, that doesn't cut it. Not even a hint of impurity. I can hear you now. That's kind of asking a lot, isn't it? I mean, God wants us to try our best, surely, but not even a hint of impurity? He's not asking a lot at all. He's not asking any more than you or I ask when we go to a restaurant and and eat food. Let me ask you this. How much impurity is okay with you when you order a plate of food from a restaurant for them to bring? Well, you'd go, well, none at all. (laughs) Exactly. You know, I was in a restaurant eating breakfast with my family a few weeks back. Love breakfast. Love, love, love. Bacon, sausage, pancakes, French toast. Yes. Right? Big cup of hot black coffee and it's a happy time. So I'm eating my breakfast, enjoying my my healthy, cheesy, fattening cholesterol breakfast, right? And I get about halfway through it when I notice a strange sensation in my mouth. Like a hair, a taste of a hair on my tongue. Oh my gosh. So hold on. So I grab it. Okay, don't freak out, Levi. And I pull it. Okay, here it comes. 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 Oh, 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 oh. Thing was a foot and a half long. I don't know if Chewbacca cooked my breakfast or what. You know? I don't care. I'm just so grossed out. And I take my food to Leia. I say, take this away. She wants me to cook you something else. No! I don't want Chewbacca cooking anything else. And, and, you know, and I, just is so gross. But here's the thing. My thought was, yuck. My thought wasn't, come on. 
the, the food was mostly pure. It was mostly good. It was really relatively a small amount of defilement in an otherwise large and mostly clean meal. But listen, in the things that we receive, we want absolute purity. These gas prices are crazy. If you go to the gas station, fill it up, and you find out that a, a company's been saving a couple bucks by, by diluting the gasoline with water and it's no longer pure, you'd be pretty ticked. If you, if you find out that you've been breathing toxic air, you'd be pretty mad. You get food that's not... The things we get, we want purity. How about the things we give? You know, Paul said in Romans 12, 1, we are to offer our lives to God as a living sacrifice. Saying, God, here's my life. Do with it what you want. Why do we think it should be okay that a mostly clean life, God... It's a little pure impurity. And think that he's okay with that. But the Bible says God takes it personally, even a small hint, for three reasons. Number one, because it's idolatry to have a hint of impurity. That same word, porneia, can be translated as idolatry. And that's how God views a sexual sin, as worship. Now you go, what, an idol? A little stone guy that, like a Buddha, you bow down and worship? We don't really do that in this culture. Oh yeah, we do. We just don't make physical idols. We worship tons of different things. And Romans 1 says, anytime we disobey how God has planned for our lives to go, that we are, our, our hearts are darkened and we are opened up to sexual sins and those things he calls idols. And it's not just sexual sins, it can be lots of other things, but that's one we're talking about tonight. And what we're doing, in, in anytime we deviate and, and do those things, we're worshiping the idol of sex. And everybody has a God. Every atheist has a God. Every, everybody in the world has a God. Now that God might be themselves, might be the, the dollar sign, might be a BMW logo, or it might be the, the God of sex. The real question is, what's the most important thing in your life? And that's your God. And for many, it's sex. They spend money on it. They'll sacrifice to have it. They'll make trips to facilitate it. And so then the Playboy Bunny becomes a religious icon. Porno mags become the Bible. Uh, uh, strip clubs become pagan temples. And, uh, and we even have a whole city dedicated to the worship of sex, and that's Las Vegas. And anytime we choose any of these sins instead of God, we're saying, this is my God, and I'm worshiping it. But here's the problem. The first commandment God told his people, I am the Lord your God, don't have any other gods before me. And since the beginning, the enemy, just like in the garden when he said, don't obey God, go over here, worship this God, He's been trying to take the worship of God and, and bring it to other things and really himself. So behind the innocent playboy bunny, if you peel away the mask, is a sinister snake, the serpent of old, the devil who's trying to take God's worship for himself. But God doesn't want that. His will for your life is your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that you should know how to possess your body in sanctification and honor, not in lust like the people who do not know God, so for a Christian to be controlled by lust and passion is to behave like we don't know God because we're worshiping sex as God. So he says, no impurity because it's an idol. Secondly, no impurity, not even a hint, because even a little idol is still an idol and they get bigger with time. These things never stay small. You know, we, we open ourselves to this, this sin because it tells us, hey, it's just a little thing. Just do this little thing it'll, and that's it. And you'll be happy once you give in. And then you do it and you just want more. You know, you hold a girl's hand for the first time and that's exciting, like 10,000 volts of electricity going through your body. And then after about five minutes, you go, okay, I want to put my arm around her. Hey. And, and then you want to do a little more and you want to kiss and then you want to touch and just go more and more and more and more. And, and soon you need to do more to get the same amount of excitement you got at the first. Soon you're doing things you never imagined you would. You talk to people and it's like, 
I just started looking at the lingerie ads in the magazines that showed up for my, you know, my, my, at my house. And, and then I was looking at, you know, Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Issue. And then I was looking at Maxim Magazine. And then I was looking at softcore pornography. That's an oxymoron. There's no soft pornography. It's all razor sharp and very, very hard. And they just move on from there to other addictions. And, and soon people describe, I've talked to people who describe a, a sexual addiction as though it were heroin or alcohol. And they're, they're just admitting that, that it was innocent at first, but they never knew. And all the while they kept moving through these stages going, just this more and then I'll stop. Just this much more and then I'll stop. And soon I'll stop. And soon, and meanwhile, it's destroying their lives. And that's how the Bible says sin works. It spreads. It lies. It never stays little. And you think you can control it at first. It's just a little sin, but it grows up. So Paul said in Romans six twelve, do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. Third, we can't even allow a little bit of, of, of immorality in our lives because of who lives inside of us. Because of who lives inside of you. Listen to this verse from 1 Corinthians 6. Paul said, flee sexual immorality. Because every sin that a man does is outside of the body. But if you commit sexual sin, you sin against your own body. Oh, did you not know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Here's what he's saying. The moment you accept Jesus into your heart, which many people did tonight, God comes to live inside of you. And a church building is a place where the church meets, but people are the church, the body of Christ. And our body becomes where God lives. So he's saying that whatever you do as a Christian, you're bringing God with you. So for a Christian to to continue in sexual sin, here's what they're saying. Thank you for buying me with the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for allowing your son to die on a cross for my sin. Thank you for setting me free and washing me clean, coming to live in my heart. Oh, and we got plans on Friday night. And you're bringing God with you into that sexual sin. How gross is that? You're bringing God with you into whatever you do as a believer. And so the call for for God's people to embrace his plan for purity is so important because God doesn't want to be a part of anything perverted, defiling his, his temple. It's so important that it's spoken of throughout the whole Bible. Virtually every New Testament book talks about it. And nowhere, when the Bible talks about obeying God's plan for sex, does it make Christians feel like they're missing out. But the world does. The world makes you feel like you're a freak if you, if you don't have sex before you're married. If you're still a virgin, what's, what's wrong with you? GQ did an ad on some guys in California who were all virgins waiting to be married to have sex. And, and the, the author wrote and said, it was weird when I met these guys, they looked totally normal wearing designer jeans and hip t-shirts. Like, what were you expecting? A third eye? I mean, a virgin. Oh, yeah. They clearly can't look like normal people. You know, but listen, saving yourself for marriage, here's what you miss out on. You miss out on the grief, the heartache, the consequences. But you know what? The world gets to miss out too. They get to miss out on getting married and having this, this wonderful person they've waited for, they've cherished, and they've, they've come bringing all of themselves to them. And then they get to come into a marriage and, and they don't have to be haunted by memories of, of the naked body of the spouse, they, the other people they, they, they slept with. And you don't have to have that image in your mind, you know, inciting further lust, making you satisfied with your partner. The images of, of pornography seen isn't going to be coming into your mind, making you feel like the woman or man God gave you isn't as beautiful as these other images. What's more, even secular studies have shown those who don't have a background of pornography or previous sexual partners prior to mar- before marriage interviewed say they have a higher level of sexual pleasure enjoyment in marriage than those who do 
as well, you can give yourself fully to your spouse without any fear of sexually transmitted diseases being passed to her, emotional baggage, guilt, scars, and an inability to have uh, babies in the future because of an abortion you had that left you unable to have kids later. That happens. And as well, you, uh, you, know, you, you can just give yourself to your wife and say, listen, I saved myself for you. Now listen, if, if you fell in one of these areas, God can overcome. We heard Greg's powerful testimony. But how much better not to go down these roads in the first place? Those who do are the ones missing out. Now one of the greatest differences between the bunny and the Bible is the honesty about the price tag. The Bible admits there's fun in sin. The Bible says sex, that sin, sexual sin, any sin, is fun for a season, but at the end of the day, there's a price tag associated. And just remember that, that when, next time you know, your friends, family, co-workers are, are seem to be having a blast and you feel like you're missing out in the name of God, not getting to have any fun. Well, we've looked at basically two polar opposites, have we not? The bunny and the Bible. They both say yes to sex, but in very different ways, I think you'd agree. Now, here's the third and final point. It's how to choose between these two as you live your life. And I've called this third point the battle. The battle. The battle between choosing between the bunny and the Bible as you daily, day in and day out live your life. In summer vacation, at school years, when you're on the internet, how do you win the battle with lust? And let me tell you, it's not going to happen in your own strength. Just saying no isn't enough. Reuters recently published a study by the National Institute of Health And it says this, U.S. teens who pledge not to have sex till they're married at events, just like this, have about the same rate of sexually transmitted diseases in America as other teenagers, and they often fail to keep their promise. A study of youths aged 12 to 18 found that 88% of those who pledge to remain virgins till they're married end up having sex before they're married anyway, though they usually delay doing so for about 18 months after making the promise. Now, as someone who puts passion, time, and and my life into putting on events just like this so young people can make a decision not to have sex till they're married, I was so discouraged. 88% fail. But then I read the part that said, but they usually delay doing so for 18 months. And I just thought, we just have to have more of these events. We will leapfrog you all the way to the altar if we have to, okay? All right. No, the reality is there just needs to be not just one decision, not once for all I'll say no to sex outside of marriage and, and then great, live my life. No, it's subsequent decisions. It's every day remaking that decision. You know, and, and just saying no is not enough. I would say another way to not see this happen is just through knowing the consequences. You know, I've, I've read about a lot of different period events where you basically come in, and I'm sure you've noticed that it's not just we're up here telling you about every STD out there, telling you how many people have it, and just trying to scare you into not having sex. That's kind of the tactic some take. That's not how I've chosen to, and here's why. Uh, you know, on our, on our cigarette packages, we have warnings saying don't, don't smoke. In Europe, much more intense. They have to cover 40% of the box. Here's one. Smoking kills. Okay? This is in Europe. This is a guy in London, took a picture of it. That's literally how you buy them. They have to cover 40%. Next slide. Smoking can cause a slow and painful death. Okay? Hold on. But I kid you not, I watched a guy outside of London Heathrow Airport literally reading that smoking, that, that cigarette container, smoking a cigarette. You know, and he's going, uh, he's just reading it. And I'm thinking, what is this? He knows the consequences. They're there in like font 18, extra bold, right? (laughs) 
But here, here's the thing. We know smoking's bad for you. Everybody knows. And yet it's like, I don't care. I like it. I like smoke in my mouth. I'm like a chimney. Here I go. Here I go. I'm so awesome. You know what I mean? And people just, they know the consequences. Smoke, I mean, kidney, it can cause a slow, and not, not just a slow death, a slow and painful death. That's like the worst kind of, of a slow death. You could die. People, the consequences isn't enough. So just to get up and say, you can get this, you can get that. It's like, okay, next, I'm going to go get a cigarette now, you know, and on my way to have sex. And, and that's not just enough to scare you out of it. And so here's the deal. A heartfelt commitment and knowing all the consequences isn't enough. And that's why at the O2 experience, at the heart of the call to purity is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen to me, the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ the overcoming power of His resurrection and the indwelling strength that comes from the Holy Spirit is the only way we have power over sin, sexual sin included. And that's a fact. That's right. That's right. And apart from that, we have no chance of winning the battle against sexual temptation, against that porn And So we must rely on the cross to help us defeat. It's the solution to all of our sins. And, and it's not just when you become a Christian. But as a Christian, as you walk, a lot of people think when you come to God and uh, you get forgiven for your sins, you, you say that prayer and, and you find yourself forgiven, it's as though God, you for the eraser, erases all your past sin and then sends you forward into the future with an attaboy and saying, seriously, I forgave you, I forgave all these things, now, now go and sin no more and you're on your own and, and try and do it from there and you better not mess up again. When that couldn't be any further from the truth. We need His help and forgiveness and, and continual strengthening every bit as much as we walk with Him as we did when we first came to Him. Jesus said in John fifteen five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you'll bear fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. So only through a day-by-day reliance on, his, on Him and, and His Word that we can find any help in this walk. We're all going to continue to struggle with sin as Christians. That's the truth. All of us. Anyone who tells you they don't sin is a liar. And that's a sin, okay? And so they're sinning anyway. So as we all continue to struggle, that doesn't mean we accept it. That doesn't mean we say, okay, I'm all going to sin, so I'm going to continue to sin. No, we, we must repent, turn around, go different ways like, you know, we've, we've been saying throughout the night. But we must continue to abide in our relationship with Jesus. And, and there's no better way we can do it than by feasting on God's word. Every day getting into the Bible. David said in Psalm 119, how can a young person cleanse his way? And then he answered his own question when he said, by taking heed according to God's word. And you will not be able to have victory in this purity uh, battle if you're not in God's word. We, through God's word, we learn about Jesus. We abide in Jesus. We stand firm in the gospel. So we should read it, memorize it, write verses down, put them in places when you're, where you're tempted. Print out a verse and put it next to your computer, in your bathroom, in, by your bedside, in your car. The only hope is, is the power of the gospel and a relationship with Christ through his word. And then we can get off the treadmill of sin. Now, as we wind this down, I want to give you seven super practical tips for the battlefield that will help you as you face this battle when you go home. Number one, purpose in your heart. Make a decision that you're not going to allow even a hint of immorality in your walk. You have to decide. This takes a, a decision to make. And you have to make it before you get into the backseat of your boyfriend's car, before you're online. Once you're there, the heat of the moment, the battle's over. If you haven't made the decision, you're going to give in. But if you make the decision before, you get to it, oh, I already made a decision. You know, and I'm going to call you in just a, a few moments if you want to, if you want to make this decision to do so publicly, and then you can sign that commitment card we gave you at the door. And it's important and special to me that we do that. And here's why. When my wife was in fifth grade. She went to an event just like this and they called anybody that wanted to to make a decision for sexual purity and she chose to. And they gave her a key, this key exactly right here, 
And they told her and all the other people there, here's a key that represents your virginity and your heart. You keep it and you walk with Jesus and save yourself for your husband. And on your wedding night, you can give this to your husband and give him yourself and your virginity and all of you in your heart. And my wife gave this to me on our wedding night. And it's among the most precious things that I possess. So I pray that the card you're going to sign, hopefully, and the decision you're going to make, it will be just that, that some of you will be able to keep that. And and I hope all of you will be able to give that to your spouse on your wedding night and say, I saved myself for you. So purpose in your heart. Number two, make a covenant with your eyes. What we see, what we allow in, feeds our, our struggle with sin one way or the other. You know, scientists and doctors tell us when we see something provocative, like pornography or something risque, our body releases epinephrine, which is actually adrenaline. And that's why when you see it, it's, you get that little bit of high, that, that little bit of burst of, oh, that's great. And it's, that's why it's addictive to keep getting that high. And so when you're tempted to sin with your eyes, don't. It's been said it takes 20 seconds to look at a playboy and 20 years to forget what you saw. And so guard your eyes. Girls, you can help your your guy friends in their battle for purity by dressing pretty, but not dressing perverted, okay? You can help us out. Dress to be attractive, but not to attract the wrong kind of attention. Number three, don't put yourself in stupid situations. Don't put yourself in places where you know you're going to sin. If, if there's one area in your life you're always falling when you get, one person you hang out with, you always sin with, one place you go, one thing that happens, it always goes the same way. You know, avoid that. For some, it's the internet. For many, it's the internet. You know, uh, you know the New York Times has talked about teenagers, you now. You're growing up never knowing life without the internet. And they're calling that generation screenagers because you've grown up in front of the, the computer screen. Where for me... My first exposure to pornography was an actual magazine. For many of you, it was probably the computer. The New York Times says that the average age a child first views porn on the internet these days is 11 years old. Because it's piped into our house. It's piped into our our bedrooms even. And and so don't give it a chance. Put a filter on your internet. There's software available at xxxchurch.com for free that will email a friend of your choosing anytime you look at a, a bad site. And those are wise things to put on your, your computer. Talk to your parents about it. Ask them to, to look at your history there. Number four, when you fall, confess your sins and repent. You know, we, we sometimes fall and we feel like, I can't go back to God. I already stood and made the decision. I already, you know, said I'm so sorry. So many times I've said, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. What's the point of going back? Every time you fall, confess your sins and go back to Jesus. He will forgive you. He will restore you. He will help you in the future. Number five. Number five. Call on God while you're being tempted. Don't wait until you've fallen and go, oh, I'm so stupid, and go back to Him. While you're being tempted, pray, talk to Him. You know? The Bible says every time we're tempted, there's a way of escape. Why don't we find it? Because we don't ask Him to turn the lights on. He'll illuminate the, the floor going to the emergency exit. Keep in mind, the nearest ex- exit may be behind you, you know? And uh, that's an airplane joke. But we have to ask God, why we think, Lord, show me the escape. Help me to get out of here. Number six, invite accountability into your life. If you came here with a youth pastor, talk to that youth pastor. Talk to a Christian leader in your church. If, it, if you're a girl, talk to a girl. If you're a guy, talk to a guy, you know? And, and if you're a girl, don't be afraid. We typically see this as, oh, it's a guy thing, a guy problem. Listen, 20% of those in this country seeking help for sexual addiction are female and the numbers are rising, okay? So it's okay for you. Talk to, talk to somebody about it, your parent. And number seven, ask God every day to fill you with his Holy Spirit to overflowing and remember that he's with you wherever you go. 
Now at the close, if you're hearing this today and you're going like, well, that, that's a nice idea. But I wish I'd have heard it two years ago. I wish I'd heard it three years ago. I wish I'd have heard it ten years ago. I wish I'd have heard it before Friday night. Listen to me. God doesn't just create. He created the worlds. But God, the Bible says God can recreate. He turned water into wine. He can change you. Today it's not too late. You can make a recommitment to purity. If today you bear scars from, maybe you have been the victim of rape. Maybe you've had an abortion. Maybe you've, you've done one of these. Maybe you have an STD and you know about it. Today, God, listen, God will heal your heart. God will change you. God will make you a new creation. There may still be consequences you face, but you'll go through it with the Lord. You won't be alone. And so for everybody in this room today, I'm calling upon you, if you're committed to living a lifestyle, embracing God's plan for sex, where there's not even a hint of impurity, where you see sex restored to God's destination, one man, one woman, for one lifetime. I'm going to call you right now to make a stand for that. And if that's what God's putting in your heart, you want to make that decision, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Don't do it if you don't mean it. But if you're wanting to commit yourself to purity or recommit yourself to purity right now, would you stand to your feet? All right. All right. All right. All right. Okay, I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for you guys as you make that that decision. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these who have made this decision to embrace your plan for their sexuality. Thank you that you love sex. Thank you that you created it and you have great plans for it in our lives. If we will follow you, you don't want the destruction that will come inevitably when we disobey you. So I pray for these who have made this decision. Thank you, Lord, that your spirit is within them if they're a believer. And Lord, you want to bring them and and preserve them blameless in your sight as they walk in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So would you empower them to be wise, to feast on your word, to abide in Jesus Christ and, and walk in their relationship with you and let the sexual purity be the outgrowth of their relationship with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you for listening to this service from Calvary of Albuquerque. If you would like more information about what you've heard in this message or about Calvary of Albuquerque, please visit our website at www.calvaryabq.org. If you have made a decision to follow Christ or would like someone to pray for you, please leave a message with our prayer watch line at 505-344-3658. Thank you and God bless.